And so what we thought we would do is uh, the most ironic series title we could come up with was The Church Has Left the Building because we started this series right when we reopened our buildings. But I want to remind you that the church is not a building. One of the reasons I really love this series title is because some people think that the church is a building. They say, hey, let's go to church. I admit it, we even say that. Let's go to church as if church was a building. But according to the Bible, church is a people. The building is the place where the church worships on occasion. Right? It shouldn't be the, play, the only place we worship. It shouldn't be the only place we read our Bibles. It shouldn't be the only place we hear the word of God. Parents, if, you're, if you've got kids at home, you are the pastors of your kids, and you should, as we saw in that video, that Pursue God Kids uh, Alpine Church page we have, you should make sure that you're discipling your kids. Just because we don't have kids' church in this building every Sunday doesn't mean you can't have kids' church in your home. That you, you know, it doesn't mean you can't invest in your kids and use those resources online. I, for one, am just very grateful we have all these resources online, PursueGodKids.org, PursueGod.org, because we don't have to stop being the church, right? So that's what this whole series is about. It's about, um, it's about how the early church, and if you want to learn about the early church, open up to the book of Acts. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can open up there. Now, we're going to be in, mainly in Acts chapter 2 today. So if you want to open somewhere, that's where you can open. But we're going to be jumping around in Scripture as we unpack today's message, which, by the way, today we're talking about the essential power of the church so what we've been doing is we're looking at, we're sort of re-examining the, the church, the early church that was started in the book of Acts. So the book of Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament, and this is where we learn about the early church and its beginnings. Uh, the church didn't actually begin while Jesus, before Jesus died and rose again. The church, the church began after his resurrection, after his ascension, which we read about in Acts chapter 1. And then he basically said to his disciples, okay, it's time to start the church. And the church was, is, a, is the people of God throughout all generations, throughout all nations. It's the people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ and have been rescued from their sins. That's what the church is. So if you're a follower of Jesus today, if, if, you, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you are a part of the church uh, in the broad sense, we're not talking about Alpine Church specifically. Alpine's a local expression of what we see in the book of Acts. So in the book of Acts, we see all kinds of local expressions. And it all got started when Peter preached his first sermon in, in Acts, chapter, Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches his very first sermon. And we saw this in week 1. When we looked at the essential message, so, so we're in week four today. If you've missed any of these, you can find them online. But in week, in week number one, we looked at the essential message. Like what, is, what we're doing in the series is we're really breaking down like what makes the church the church. You know, once, the, once we couldn't meet for a while, it, it caused us to ask this question. What makes the church the church? Can we still be the church when we can only meet online? Can we still be the church when we can't come into our buildings? And the answer is of course you can. That's how the early church was. They hardly ever met online in the early church <laughs> 2,000 years ago. They, hard, they, you know, they didn't have buildings to come to in the early church. You read about this in Acts. They didn't have buildings. They, it was a movement out of the Jewish faith, 
and the Jewish faith had synagogues, but once they pretty much got kicked out of the synagogue, they didn't have anywhere to go. And, so, and yet they were the church. And so the church is not defined by a building. If the government shut us down, which some governments around the world have done that, then the church will go underground. And that just means that we don't have to meet in buildings. You know what tends to happen when the church goes underground? The church grows. So what tends to happen is when we, when we sort of take our, our eye off the ball and we sort of miss what the church really was about in the first place, then what happens is, is we get comfortable and we get complacent and we actually stop accomplishing our mission. So in week one, we looked at the essential message, which is basically that Jesus rescues. In week two, we looked at the essential mission, which is to go make disciples, that we are supposed to be about the business of making disciples, not just putting on potlucks, not just putting on weekly services, not just having, I mean, worship was wonderful today, guys, that was great, but this isn't our mission. Our mission isn't to come together and just sing songs of worship. That's important. Our mission isn't just to have Bible studies for those who already initiated. Our mission is to go make disciples. That was week number two. And then last week, we looked at our essential foundation, and the foundation of our church is the Word of God, Now, we talked about this last week, and that's scripture, but in the broader sense, it's it's the truth that God has spoken, and this is the easiest place to find it today, by the way, right here in the Bible, but this isn't all all of the Word of God. The Word of God is a much broader concept, but we're founded on the Word of God. We're not founded on some some wacky book that someone wrote in the 80s, like Dianetics. We're not... I talked about this last week when I preached the sermon, how Scientology is an example of a a religion that's founded on a different book. We're founded on the Word of God, which is a lot more reliable and timeless. So so every time you come to Alpine Church, you will hear from the Word of God. I don't know if you've noticed that. You don't just hear a bunch of stories and jokes. You hear the Word of God, and we'll always be preaching the Word of God because the church is founded on the Word of God. So that was last week, and today we're going to look at the essential power, and the essential power, this might be, I mean, all of these messages are so important, this might be the most important one, this might be the message, this might be the, the nugget that some of you, if you're Christians, this might be the thing, everything else has been reviewed, this might be the thing that opens your eyes. This might be the message that finally you say, oh, i got to pay attention to this, because the other stuff I knew, I understood the message, I understood the mission, I understand the foundation, but wait, what, how does this work again? How does the Holy Spirit work? That's what we're going to look at today. The Holy Spirit is the essential power. In fact, I'll just say this right now. The whole reason Jesus came and died and rose from the dead was so that we could have the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again, because some people might... I, I want to make sure that you understand, you feel the weight of that statement. The whole reason Jesus came and died and rose again is so that you could have the Holy Spirit. He said it to his disciples. He said, unless I go, the Holy Spirit can't come. So you see what he was saying to them? He was saying, "Is this is really important. And even though Jesus is very important, and Jesus is very important to the message of the Bible, and we need Jesus to rescue us, faith in in the name of Jesus, that's why we have crosses. Faith in what Jesus did on the cross, this is a reminder, a symbolic reminder of what Jesus did for us. He died for us because we're sinners and he's not. And putting our faith in his name saves us, it rescues us, that's the essential message. But I think if you stop there, you've missed what he came for. 
If you think he just came so that you would be saved, so that you don't have to, you don't have to die and go to hell, if that's, if that's the reason you think he came, if that's all it was, man, you're missing a huge, huge part of the gospel. You're missing a huge part of the reason that he came, and it grieves his heart to see people who put their faith in Jesus, and that's it. There's nothing more to their Christian journey than putting their faith in Jesus. Maybe I've met people who put their faith in Jesus at, at kids' camp, you know, when they were 10 years old. And they thought, that was all, that's it, I'm done. Check. I checked that box, now I just live however I want, I do whatever I want, right? That's it, that's the, that's the essential message. Jesus rescues, he, res- he rescued me. I'm good then, I'm done, right? Make it to church whenever I can, you know, if the game isn't that interesting. It was supposed to be funny because, like, you could stay home and watch the game. Maybe it's not funny because there's no sports right now, but, like, some, some people think that's what it's all about, but I want you to know that it's so much more than that, so let's unpack this today. Here's the first thing. The mission of the church, making disciples, is impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's why. The Spirit gives us, meaning believers, the Spirit gives us the ability to share. This is about the mission. It gives us the ability to share the message, and it gives others the ability to hear the message. Do you know that, that the two problems with making disciples, which is our mission, the two problems are you and them. Those are the two problems. That's it. If we got those two things taken care of, everybody would be making disciples. The two problems are you, you're afraid to share, you don't know how to share. You don't know if you have the words to share. You're too intimidated. You didn't go to seminary, so you feel like you're not smart enough. So it's, you're the problem. No offense. I don't mean to be pointing fingers at you, but I am. You're, you're, and yours is me too, because when you point a finger, then three are pointing back at you. So we're the problem because, because we're intimidated to share the message. That's why the, if you read through the book of Acts, I encourage you to do this. The, one of the things you'll notice in the book of Acts is that they were always praying for boldness. Isn't that interesting? They were, the early Christians were always praying for, and you know what? They were like, God, please give us boldness to share. Please give us boldness to share. You know why? Because they knew they were the problem. They knew that there was a mission. They had a mission, a great commission, go make disciples. But the problem was they didn't have the, they didn't have the courage, they didn't have the boldness to share the message. So the Holy Spirit, enter the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the power that gives us the ability to share and it gives the people we're sharing with the ability to hear. Because do you know that that's a spiritually discerned thing? You can share till you're blue in the face. Maybe you've done this before. You can share and other people, it can go in one ear, out the other. I can't tell you how many times that's happened in my life. I've shared the gospel, and I've, sometimes I've shared with such passion, and, and I mean, all the right bullet points, and all, I mean, I'd shared, and I gave it my, my all, I gave it my best, and that other person didn't even respond to it. You know why? Because it takes the Holy Spirit to move someone's heart to hear and to listen and to receive. So the mission of the church is impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is, is the one who activates disciple-making, He starts it with us, and he allows it to land with the other person that we're discipling. And this is true for your kids, too, by the way. Parents, pray for your kids that the Holy Spirit would open their ears to hear. All right, let's look at some scripture. Acts 1.8. You will receive power. This is Jesus. We talked about this in week two. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. For what? Power for what? Here it is. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. 
So this is, Jesus predicted it. He said, look, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll finally receive power to be my witnesses because if the Holy Spirit doesn't empower you, then nobody's gonna open their mouth. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to open our mouths to give us the boldness to share. And I'm not talking about going to work tomorrow and standing up in the lunchroom and waving your Bible around and saying, the Holy Spirit has empowered me to share. Like, I want you to hear this message. I'm just talking about even just when you're sitting down for lunch with someone and, and they're, you're talking about their marriage or you're talking about an addiction or you're talking about their kids who are struggling and you're like, this would be a great opportunity to insert the hope that I have and you don't do it. Do you know why? Because you're afraid, because, because it, it requires boldness to step into a conversation and to offer hope. It requires boldness. And that means it requires the Holy Spirit. And then it says this in Acts chapter two, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the, this is the fulfillment of what Jesus said in, the, in chapter one. Everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And if you read on, you know what they were speaking out? You know what, you know what they were saying? They were talking they were sharing the gospel message. They were sharing the basic message in languages that other people could understand. So the day of Pentecost, this was 50 days after uh, the Passover. So this was one of the main festivals for the Jewish people. So everyone was gathered in Jerusalem this, this day. And everyone's there. So that all these people were gathered, all these Jews were gathered and, and, they, and then this thing happens. And by the way, the word Pentecost, maybe you recognize that in the word Pentecostal, because the Pentecostal believers today are believers who speak in tongues. And they get it from this, that this is kind of the anchor of that, of that idea. But actually the word Pentecost was a Jewish word. It was about a festival of 50 days after the Passover so they were at the festival at Pentecost. All these believers were gathered in one place. And then the people started speaking out in all, the, in all these languages. You can see a listing of like 15 languages that they started speaking out in. The, the, believer, the apostles didn't know those languages. So what happened to them was miraculous. And they started speaking out this, this message that Jesus is the Messiah and, and you should turn to him and put your faith in him. So pray, they were praising God. They were, they were speaking out the praises of God in languages that they never formally learned so that all these people, all these Jewish people who spoke those languages, but now they were coming together, all, those, all these Jewish people who had been scattered throughout the whole Roman Empire, they come together and now they're starting to hear the message in a language that they could understand. And by the way, this is significant. This is significant. I always thought it was weird that that the, the sign, that, the, that, the, like the, the, the launching of the Christian church would happen like this. Like that seems like a really weird way to launch a church. We didn't launch our church like this 19 years ago. Alpine didn't launch our church by coming and everybody speaking in weird languages. We spoke English the first time we had a service at Alpine Church. But I think it's significant that it happened like this. And here's why. The essential power isn't just for some. It's for all who believe. 
The Holy Spirit is the promised blessing on all nations. I put that in quotes because I want you to understand that this is actually coming all, if you rewind all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis 12, God said this to Abraham, who is the father of the Jewish nation. If you don't don't know the song, Father Abraham had many sons. So Abraham was the father of the Jewish nation. And, And God made this promise to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. And all, look at this, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. That was an enigmatic statement thousands of years ago that the Jewish people would go back to and say, I wonder what the heck that even means. All the nations, all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. I don't care about blessing all the families on the earth. I want the Americans to be blessed. I don't care about blessing all the families on the earth. I want the Jewish families to be blessed. What do you mean? What's this all the families on the earth stuff? If you read through the Old Testament, you're going to see that, that it's all about the Jewish nation. It's all, it seems like God is pretty show some favoritism toward the Jewish nation. I don't know if you noticed that in the Old Testament. So what do you mean all the families on the earth will be blessed through Abraham? I just want the Jewish families to be blessed through Abraham. Do you see the nationalism that can come up from, we can have it in America, any nation can be very, very nationalistic to the exclusion of all the families on the earth. But God's heart is like this. He says, no, look, I'm coming to Abraham, and yes, I'm going to work through Abraham's descendants, the Jewish nation, but I want you to know, this is the heart of God from the very beginning, but I want you to know, here's my plan, all the families on the earth will be blessed. And you know what that blessing was about? The Holy Spirit. The blessing on all nations that was prophesied, that was promised in Genesis 12, thousands of years before what we're reading in Acts chapter two, the blessing on all nations is the Holy Spirit. God was going to release the Holy Spirit on all nations, and that's why, back to Acts chapter two, that's why it says at that time there were devout Jews from, look at this, every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise of of the apostles, the followers speaking in these other languages, Everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. And part of Peter's message at the end, at the end of his first sermon, part of Peter's message is turn to Jesus in faith, and the promised Holy Spirit will be poured out on you as well. What does he mean, the promised Holy Spirit? He's talking about Genesis 12. He says, if you would turn, to faith, turn in faith to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit will be yours as well. And you might say, well, why would, why would you want the Holy Spirit if that's just going to make me speak in weird languages? <laughs> well, because that's not the main thing that the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit is essential for every part of our lives today. He's the reason Christians can actually be obedient to God. See, here's the truth. If you read the Bible, you know, God, God gives this promise to Abraham. It's this kind of nebulous promise. And then we enter, eventually enter Moses, and Moses leads the Israelites out of captivity into the promised land. And, and on his way there, God gives him the Ten Commandments, which, by the way, were rules for a new society. So God gives, God gives Moses these rules that he wants his people to live by. The Ten Commandments, go look them up for yourself. 
Basically, though, that's what, that wasn't everything God cared about, but it was the main stuff God cared about. It was the framework that he wanted us to care about because, because believe it or not, a country needs rules. A people, families need rules and boundaries. Kids need boundaries, just like every human being needs boundaries. So God said, here are the boundaries. And by the way, the first boundary is don't put any other God before you, which is about authority, which says God... Like, it's important for you to understand that what God says goes. And don't think you're smarter than God, that you can just live your own way. And then here are the other, here are nine other commandments that he gives. Like, don't murder, because it's not really good for relationships when you murder people. And things like, don't, you know, don't commit adultery, because it's not really good for your marriage when you commit adultery. And it's not really good for your kids when you commit adultery. So every one of God's ten commandments just totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. Here's the problem. God's people couldn't obey them because people are basically broken. And so if you read through the Old Testament, you're just going to see time and time and time again, you're going to see God gives these rules and he gives these boundaries and people just, just keep rebelling against these boundaries and these rules. And it breaks the heart of God. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, well, why would God give you these rules if he knew that you couldn't even obey these rules? Why would God give you boundaries if, if he knew some of you kids might be thinking that thing too? Like, why would my parents give me these rules if, if they know it's so hard for me to clean my room? Why would they, like, that just seems mean, that seems harsh. And to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the blessing on all nations because the Holy Spirit is the power within you to help you to be obedient to God's way. I wanna say that again because that's really important. I think so many people miss this. The Holy Spirit is the blessing on all nations, given to all nations, not just to the Jewish nation. The Holy Spirit was given to anyone who would believe, which means you and your family and your kids. The Holy Spirit is given to you so that you could be obedient to God's way. And being obedient to God's way is really helpful in your life. Just ask anyone who's lived a life of disobedience to God's way. It didn't go well for them, I promise you. So the ability to be obedient to God's way, another way to say that is to honor God with your life rather than just to do what you want to do. The ability to actually execute God's commandments is so helpful for you. It's so helpful for your marriage, it's helpful for your family, it's helpful for your kids. Man, every parent would say, oh, I wish, I wish my kid could stay on the straight and narrow. I wish my kid could be obedient to God's way. Well, the only way to be obedient to God's way is through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Ezekiel was talking about. Chapter 36, this is a prophecy, the prophet Ezekiel, God speaking through Ezekiel. He speaks of this time that we read about in Acts chapter two. He says, and I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and I'll give you a tender, responsive heart. Man, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice, wife, if God could do this to your husband? Wait, it's Father's Day. Let me, do, let me flip that around. Wouldn't it be nice, husband, if God could do this to your wife? Take out their stony, stubborn heart. Let's just pick on the kids. Parents, wouldn't it be nice if God would do this to your teens, Right? Take out their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? And here's how. He says, the way I'll do this is I'll put my spirit in you 
so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Do you see the so that? So that you can be obedient. God wants to put his spirit in you to give you the power that you didn't have otherwise to be obedient. Because read the Old Testament, you don't have the power on your own to be obedient. But, but when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you, which started in Acts 2, that was the first time the Holy Spirit personally took up residence in an individual. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit didn't work like that. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came over Samson and he tore down the building on all of his oppressors. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit you know, came over David and he, he routed an army. But the Holy Spirit just occasionally came, came into play in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit was given individually to everyone who would believe. Isn't that awesome? That's the blessing on all nations. And the reason isn't so that you can speak in these other languages that nobody else understands. The reason is so that you can be obedient from the inside out to what God wanted all along. Jesus said it himself in John 14, 23. He said to his followers, all who love me will do what I say, right? And so you ask, how? How? How can those who love Jesus do I mean, I would say that the disciples were like, I don't understand. We know, the old, we know the scriptures. Like, people loved you. David loved you. And he still couldn't do what you said. He still couldn't even be obedient. Moses loved you. He was a leader. And he still couldn't be obedient. He failed time and time and time again. How? Here's how. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. How? By the Holy Spirit. Jesus is talking here in John 14, 23 about the same thing that Ezekiel was talking about in chapter 36. He's talking about the Holy Spirit taking up residence in our lives and moving us from the inside out to be obedient to his commands because his commands matter. Your lifestyle matters. The way you live your life matters. Not just putting faith in Jesus to rescue you from some eternal condemnation down the road 40 years. No, it matter, you, the way you live matters right now. And that's why you need the Holy Spirit, the blessing on all nations. One more thing. Paul said it like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That's the power. The Holy Spirit is the essential power for us to make disciples so that we can share the gospel, have the boldness to share the gospel, and so that other people can have the ears that would hear it. But the Holy Spirit also allows us to live in a way that God want us to, wanted us to live all along. It's the power to give us lives that are holy. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand this message, to apply it to our own lives, in our own families, in our own marriages. Thank you, God that you didn't give us commands in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that you didn't give us commands and then, and then fail to give us the ability to follow through on those commands. No, you gave us commands and then you gave us the promised Holy Spirit who moves us from the inside out to live the kind of lives that you envisioned for us all along. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that the believers who are in here, the followers of you that are in here that, that have feel just a kind of a sense of conviction in their lives today, I pray, 
Lord God, that you would make good on that conviction, that, Holy, that your Holy Spirit would move them in whatever area they feel conviction today, that your Holy Spirit would move them to be obedient, to align their lives with your way. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.